Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Hello, everybody. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta, with another episode of our Edge podcasts. And today we have a special guest. We've got Bruce Weed from IBM, who is a program director of enterprise developer advocacy. But more than that, Bruce is a kind of a fixture on the on the New York tech scene. Uh, he and I have uh, sat on at least one panel, and I've uh, I've heard Bruce speak many times. He's a he's a passionate and articulate advocate of emerging technologies and including uh, IOT, uh, AI and cognitive and, and blockchain, which falls right in our wheelhouse. And, and we're gonna we're gonna look to explore some of his uh, his insights and, and experiences in, in, in this podcast. So Bruce, thanks so much for joining us. Oh you're very you're very, very welcome and uh, I appreciate you having me me today and look forward to the discussion. Great. So, so first off, could, uh, Bruce, could you talk a little bit about your your background and uh, you know what what in your experiences has really helped shape your views of of uh, what we call connected industry or IoT, but but this kind of this emerging wave of 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 you know con- of connected uh, products and 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 the analytics that go with it. Sure. So my background, I've got a degree in computer science as well as mathematics. I've always been interested in technology, particularly bleeding edge technology. And so I've had the opportunity over the last couple of years, starting back with getting involved in big data back in 2010, to take that and and really morph that into working with these other technology fronts, including IoT, AI, and blockchain. And we'll talk more about those, I'm sure, as we move forward. But really, that's kind of in my background. I'm working with uh, both enterprise customers as well as startups around these new technologies and really leveraging the cloud as the infrastructure to go out and rapidly prototype or build out these solutions that they're working on. So that's just a quick snapshot on a little bit on my background. Great. So, uh, you know, IoT is is moving, I guess, from its... Uh, from its childhood to adolescence, but uh, share a little bit of your, your perspective about how you've seen the uh, the evolution of, of of connected industry. I mean, how you know what what have we learned from as as large industrial companies have have looked to move from this you know this vision uh, to you know to get to production applications. Sure. So I think when we look at IoT and the metamorphosis of it, it started, I mean, IoT's been around for a while. If you look at in manufacturing plants, there's always been, you know, sensor devices, everything from the lights in the building to the heat, to analyzing certain equipment and other things that they measure and control. But the thing that's really changing, I think, is looking at this information on a broader scale, on a broader perspective, and also sub-analyzing some of the stuff more locally, right, so at the edge. So historically, you might have, as I mentioned, one of these manufacturing plants, they do stuff locally. What they may not be doing is comparing necessarily in the past data that's happening in that manufacturing plant, let's say that's in Indiana, to a plant that may be 
running in um, China somewhere or in India or in some other country. So now through the creation and the uh, analysis of big data and using data lakes, we're able to kind of store that information and look at it across a broader base. So that's one point that's changed. I think also the introduction of AI, so really starting to analyze some of this data more locally and figure out, okay, if I'm having a problem with a particular item, is it a critical area or critical item that I need to upload to the cloud for additional analysis or for notification, or is it just more I'm collecting localized data? Everything looks more or less in check. Maybe the engine's running a little bit hot, but I realize through AI, I will, it's summertime, the air conditioning's overworking, therefore everything's really kind of normal where it should be. So I think these are some of the changes that we're seeing. And the most important one, and I'll continue to mention that as we talk, is really leveraging these technologies together. That, that's where the real power comes from. I mean, obviously IoT by itself is powerful, AI is powerful by itself, and so is blockchain. But when you start to use these things together, that's where the real horsepower comes from. Hey, yeah, that's uh, that's a great point. This idea of kind of combinatorial innovation, or, or you know, combinatorial the power of of combining these technologies, and and AI has certainly been one where there's you know one area where there's been a lot of. Uh, I would say maybe a bit of misunderstanding about the the power and the potential, but it's also not really uh, it's not brand new technology either. Um, what, you know, could, could share a little bit of the background for you know for some of the listeners who uh, you know may not have the perspective. Just you know how you know how this concept of AI and cognitive computing has evolved, and and really how you know why why it's different from traditional uh, what predictive analytics or statistical uh, uh, methods that you know that would that would give you a just say a forecast sure so if you look at historically where we started right we had the original uh, analysis right which I'll kind of label as descriptive where we looked at things and said all right what happened how often did it happen so we do some discovery then we do some analysis of what is the actual problem and then that elevated into really getting into more of the predictive where we started to look at trends and modeling. And from there, we got into more of the prescriptive, you know, how can we sort of achieve some, you know, the best outcomes. But when you look at cognitive, that really takes it to a next, next level, which really says what's the next best course of action. So as an example, you know, one of the clients we worked with had a dermatology application and that application has infused AI into it, <clears throat> Watson specifically, and they're able to go in there in the doctor's office and look at different treatments for patients and actually come back with a recommendation, and not just a recommendation, but a confidence level, right? You know, so it may come in, the first recommendation is at 90%, the second one be, could, could be at 60, and the last one at 30. And then the doctor needs to ultimately decide, right, because they're responsible for the patient's health, but now they have something that they can use. They may end up choosing the secondary solution because for that particular patient, it's a better fit, but it really kind of very quickly analyzes that data. And what's nice is it's not just looking at patient data, that particular patient, it was looking at more broad set of patient data, more broad set of documents, so maybe they've downloaded information from the Mayo Clinic or John Hopkins or other places where you can take the PDFs, uh, analyze that information, 
and really make sure you're, you're attacking it from the best uh, types of, of treatments. But when we look at cognitive, I think it's important to understand that really what cognitive technology is, is really processing information more like a human than a computer, right? It's understanding natural language, it's generating hypotheses uh, based on evidence and learning as it goes. So these couple of aspects of understanding natural language, the learning as it goes, so machine learning, all these things are critical in cognitive, but the other aspect is cognitive is really here to augment what we do as humans, and quite frankly, this is in line with all technology, right? When I use my smartphone or my laptop, I'm using that to help me do whatever it is I need to have done, right? It's not like the, the smartphone is running my life or my laptop is you know, dictating what to do. I'm using these as tools, so, so that's an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, that's um, it's it's inc incredibly powerful technologies, and and um, of course, you, you know, we 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 talked about uh, you know this this combination, and and the other uh, the other big technology is uh, is blockchain, which is starting to emerge, and distributed ledger technologies. Could you really provide a a, a, a view of how you think of? blockchain and, and distributed ledger technologies and you know how how does it how does it fit into this uh, uh, you know into this whole equation sure so when I look at blockchain just to, you know to give folks kind of a little bit of a, of a background what it is as you already mentioned it's this concept of a distributed ledger in the old system obviously each person would have their individual ledger um, that they use to record transactions this is basically uh, a distributed ledger where the parties involved uh, have access to the same uh, information. You have to get consensus from, from the people involved in particular transactions. You're able to go back and do uh, uh, auditing accordingly to understand the provenance of, of where this stuff came from. Um, you're not able to change the, the records, so everything is is uh, immutable, it's that type of, uh, you know, object, similar like in, in object-oriented or functional programming, you know, an immutable object is really one that's unchangeable. So you have that kind of level of, of safety, and obviously blockchain also um, leverages encryption, and it gives you that advantage of being able to set up the right set of, uh, you know, processes to make these transactions uh, more efficient, particularly as it relates to eliminating errors to be able to trace things back. Uh, and essentially, there's four main components. You have the shared ledger, which really is uh, made to you know distribute across the business network. You have smart contracts, which are the business terms embedded uh, in the transactional database and executed within transactions. You've got your privacy, which is really ensuring the appropriate visibility, the transactions are secure, and then, you know, finally that consensus aspect that all parties are in agreement and can verify that uh, network. So as an example, if I were doing some type of auto leasing, um, I could have an individual lease a car and basically eliminate uh, having to go to a dealership and do a bunch of paperwork, all that could be done through smart contracts where people privy to it would be thing, people like the leasing company, 
potentially a manufacturer because ultimately when you lease a car, it's got to be built and come from the factory. The leasing company would be involved. There may be a local dealer where you might actually pick up the car depending on how that gets brokered, but you can actually simplify that process and, and uh, you know, make that fairly, uh, fairly complete. And I think that what we'll see is this combination uh, of blockchain and, and other technologies as we move forward. Yeah, I, I know that um, that IBM's been been working with a number of uh, a number of industrial companies, and uh, Maersk comes to mind as a you know as as one of the probably one of the pr- most most public uh, use cases. Um, you know what? You know where where are you seeing the most interest in, uh, and and at least early adoption of, of blockchain technologies in the uh, at least from a standpoint of an industry or or use case? Sure. So when you look at uh, blockchain, there's a couple of different areas where we see this type of um, you know usage and and kind of where it's you know going. I should mention that the blockchain industry just to give you a perspective, and these are you know rough uh, numbers in, that have come back from uh, analysis and industry reports. The market's supposed to grow to 2.3 billion by 2021. That's basically a compound growth rate of around 62%. So we're starting to see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of buildup in, in that uh, in that particular uh, area. And so that's, you know, what you're going to see as far as the uh, rapid growth. A lot of people are doing innovation now. So areas at a broad high level that, that probably are very amenable to this are everything from food safety, and I'll talk about that in a moment, um, to obviously financial types of transactions that could be, you know, cross-currency payment, it could be, you know, bill of lading, it could be uh, retail banking, public records, securities, digital property management, uh, syndication of loans, supply chain, and two examples that I'll call out, one is, is one we've done with Walmart. They had an issue in China where food was going from the farm to the store, in particular pork, and some of it was going bad. So now they've implemented a blockchain solution that can actually uh, track each participant in the food uh, supply chain and understand what's happening. So with sensor data, they're able to keep track of things like, you know, temperature that the meat is kept at, um, duration, right, of the complete process from farm to retailer. They can look at things like um, humidity levels, all this stuff with sensor data and actually put it in the blockchain to make sure that they can go back and, and edit and look at this data appropriately. So here's a combination as I mentioned, where you're merging the blockchain and the IoT together to do this type of analysis. Another example is internally in IBM, we use, um, from a global financing perspective, IBM Global Finance provides financing for our business partners as they go out and work with clients downstream. And so to that end, we've implemented a blockchain to provide visibility and provenance and end-to-end across the supply chain. So what we found out is some of the benefits, it's reduced dispute resolution time by 75%. Um, It's also released 
you know, additional working capital. And, you know, this is something we've been doing now for the last, you know, year and a half to two years. So it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, paying dividends. But that's just a quick uh, couple of examples in a little more detail to help you understand what's happening in that arena. Yeah, the I mean the use cases in global trade, for instance, in supply chain are, are seem to be really compelling. You know, to be able to uh, to reduce the amount of time that, uh, that 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 vendors or suppliers can get paid and and validated, and of course this you know the concept of of provenance. Uh, I, I I was chuckling to myself as I was hearing you talk about Walmart. I was thinking this is is this the Internet of Pork? You know. <laughs> We have uh, blockchain, blockchain secured bacon, which is probably not a, not a. I, I know a number of people who'd probably uh, be very excited to hear that. But um, what what are some of the so what are the, some of the challenges in in implementing blockchain solutions? Just given the, uh, you know, how do you, how do you look at the state of the market where we are right now, and 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 maybe are there technological challenges or or organizational challenges that um, and I'm t- t- talking a lot about talking about the lack of developers uh, as, a, as a real constraint but you know what do you see as the, as, as the major hurdles and obstacles for this technology to start going mainstream sure so a couple of thoughts there are a lot of companies actually working with this technology in-house um, to start to experiment with it, get some uh, internal projects going, get some experience. But right now it is, I would say, a little bit skills limited. It's a new area, so obviously everybody needs to get um, skilled up and, and developers in particular need to go out there and, and learn and to work with technologies like Hyperledger, Composer, and understand the Hyperledger f- fabric because essentially um, it's really about you know building out business applications on top of these uh, two arena right using Hyperledger Composer to do that as like one tooling example, but it's also understanding as you get into this, it's not just understanding the actual programming side; it's understanding the business side as well. I, I see this very much similar, like you know if we look back in 2010, data science. That area had the same sort of aspects. It wasn't just about, oh, I know how to program in R, so therefore I'm ready to go and be a data scientist. The whole concept of of a data scientist, right, is this person that in theory uh, is made up of three major components, right? It's a person that can program. It's a person that understands data science, statistics, analytics. Um, and it's a person that understands business, obviously, you know, more more skewed towards the business they may happen to be in. So if I'm working in the financial sector as a data scientist, then I don't necessarily need to understand, right, the, the healthcare sector. But you need to understand the industry you're in to really apply that. The similar thing goes here, I think, with blockchain. As you look to implement these things, it really is beneficial to understand the business and how you're implementing it, the use case. Um, and have some level of that knowledge coupled with uh, understanding the basic concepts of a distributed ledger along with the programming aspects that we talked about. I mean, some of the, uh, you know, people are now are doing programming in Go as well for blockchain, which, which 
is another uh, alternative, you know, language to get involved in. So I think there's that learning curve right now, I would say, is the first major impediment. The second one is getting, you know, the trust level built up that there's enough use cases out there where people feel confident that, yep, this stuff makes sense. We understand what it's going to do. And so this is just, it takes time, right? It doesn't happen uh, overnight. But I think there's enough endorsement around this technology that, it's got a real solid future, and it's got already some some really good business use cases in place. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it certainly is uh, extremely promising. But you know, I I do think in technology, uh, certainly in the investment community, there's a little bit of a bright shiny object uh, uh, phenomenon, right, where people get uh, enamored with with new technologies, and then they become a, a bit like the you know the baby with a hammer, where they think where where everything looks like a nail. And, and if you hear skeptics or or pushback on uh, on blockchain technology. Sometimes, I mean, I've heard criticism that this is just a, uh, or skeptics would like to say, oh, well, it's just a, it's just an encrypted database, and you, you, uh, you know, there's not really anything that that's special. And certainly, I think one could make an argument that it's, that it's certainly, it's not. You don't need blockchain for everything. It's certainly not the solution to to all the world's problems. But you know, with, with that in context, I mean, where do you see the uh, the most relevant uses of, of blockchain uh, compared to uh, you know what? databases can do and are are, are people thinking about um, may if are, th are they thinking about blockchain maybe uh, prematurely as a as a replacement for traditional databases yeah that's a great question so we had the same dilemma uh, with big data where a lot of people were used trying to use it for everything and and you know early on I talked about um, you know, big data, particularly Hadoop and Spark, was not a replacement for traditional databases or NoSQL databases like Mongo as an example. So I, I think people need to get clarity on blockchain as well. So as an example, right, if I needed high-performance transactions in the millisecond arena, blockchain is not the right answer, right? If I have a very small organization no business network, blockchain's not the right answer. So as an example, let's say I'm a mom and pop store owner, I have one store, you know, I, I don't really necessarily need blockchain, right? I can have my general ledger, uh, I could use some, you know, accounting package, software accounting package, and then that's probably the right answer for that small business where it's a one shop type of, of setup. Um, it's not you know, blockchain is not a database replacement. Uh, it's not a messaging solution, right? And um, it's also not a transaction processing replacement either, right? So we have other technologies uh, that we use for messaging as well as on the transaction processing, some highly developed systems for that. So. Again, it's, it can be implemented in a lot of different uh, industry use cases, but it's not a, you know, be-all and end-all for every, you know, particular business case or use case that you have. The other thing I should make mention of that I think, at least in the beginning, uh, maybe over time it'll change, this technology is poor, probably more apropos in, 
you know, enterprise type businesses or larger businesses versus the consumer market. Um, I, you know, don't necessarily know, right, if, if somebody has a startup that's focused more on a consumer uh, type of app and, you know, and, I, and when I say consumer, I don't mean necessarily a consumer business oriented app like, you know, home banking, just to be clear. Uh, I, you know, I'm talking about, you know, other types of, you know, fun little applets that pop up on, uh, you know, the Apple uh, store every day. So I think, you know, we need to really look at and figure out where does this fit and where is the, the most applicability and go from there. I'm sure it'll propagate down as, as we move forward um, and as the technology becomes easier to use and more people are, are skilled on it. Yeah, it was a, it's a great point that you made about big data as well, uh, Bruce, because the you know the idea that uh, he, that that Hadoop can can handle every sort of analytic job I think was uh, was floating around a, a few years ago when people were just getting into the technology, but um, but even so, I mean, I think we have this incredibly diverse and, and rich array of, of techniques and tools for data analysis. But when we start to apply it to uh, to connected industry or what we'll, you know what we'll call IoT, it's still a, you know they're, they're, we're still just doing some very basic blocking and tackling. I mean, you know how how do you uh, if, if we circle back to um, say some some industries that are that are late adopters in of you know connected industry, we could say you know certain certain types of manufacturing and and um, you know transportation and uh, you know connected spaces that are not necessarily uh, working with you know, brand new equipment, but are working with retrofits. I mean, how do you how do you approach the um, the uh, the challenges of applying the right tools to the problem as 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 you're looking to you know start to take data from from processes and then and then start to apply this continuum of uh, of analytics and then and then ultimately incorporate uh, um, cognitive. I guess what I'm asking is what's a what would be a, a good way for a good beginner's guide for for cognitive or AI technologies in a in a connected context. Sure. So I think the first thing to look at is really understanding what I call the cognitive IoT marketplace. Uh, just to put a little bit of parameters around, I mean, by 2020, there'll be approximately 25 billion uh, installed IoT devices, and the market, uh, you know, potential economic impact by 2020 will be about 3.6 trillion dollars. And a lot of this is skewed heavily towards, you know, B2B will be about probably 70% of the market roughly. So I think when, when you look at cognitive IoT, it, it's really this emergence of linking the physical and the digital worlds to transform business, right? I think that's really the, the main uh, attribute. And, and sort of, you know, how to get there is really looking at uh, first, some examples that we see today, and, and interestingly enough, some of them are consumer-oriented that people use every day and may not make the connection. Oh, yeah, this is, you know, AI and IoT, but things like, you know, Google Home, Amazon Echo, um, you know, if you look at, you know, Tesla and what they've done in, in the automotive uh, arena, um, the other one that people don't realize is there's a huge opportunity. The, the biggest area, actually, most people don't know this if you ask them, well, where is the biggest area for 
you know, IoT today, where is it being utilized the most, particularly in, coupled with, with AI, but, you know, and that is actually in the security area. So security surveillance, looking at, uh, you know, in, uh, people hacking in the various uh, IP addresses, any type of security things, a lot of that's being analyzed through AI and being leveraged through obviously IOT um, types of devices. So that's a huge uh, industry opportunity in that, in that security area, whether it's more the outbound, like I said, surveillance types of things, cameras, sensors, or if it's more from a computer security standpoint, you know, either one of those. As far as starting to get um, started in this you know, arena and what's the best way to do it. I, I would probably look at a couple of things. Number one, um, you could look at IoT and start to immerse yourself in that. I, we have a, a thing called TJ Bot. It's a little uh, bot that you can get and put together. And it's, you know, based off Raspberry Pi technology, it's kind of very small. It's made out of cardboard. And then you can control it. Um, through your application that you develop on the cloud. And what's kind of neat is you can let, you know, let the little bot can move its arm up and down to wave to you. It can flash certain lights. It can do different things. You can talk to the bot, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's kind of a neat little thing to get started. Uh, and to that end, we do have what we call developer patterns out, you can just Google it, Developer Patterns. It's out on the Developer Works website or IBM Code area where you can go in and actually look. We have different areas broken out by the focus of the technology. So we have different code patterns for blockchain, for IoT, for AI, and it goes on from there, including you know things like container technology, uh, you know, different other areas as well. So you can take a look at that to kind of get, get started. On the pure AI side, you could look at particular areas depending on what interests you. So maybe it's uh, machine learning, maybe it's natural language um, type of work. Uh, we even have things where we have services that can do analyzing the tone of, of somebody's voice or analyzing actual, uh, you know, text, which is kind of neat to really build out a profile on somebody. Um, I actually did this recently. I just, as a demo, put in text that Abraham Lincoln had written that came back with a profile on him, and it was actually pretty darn accurate, um, you know, in terms of, of what the, uh, the profile of, of Abraham Lincoln was. So there's a lot of different ways to get started. My only recommendation in general on any of these things, start small, learn in a particular area, and then grow your base from there. Yeah, that's no, that's great. That's uh, great insight, Bruce. And, and you know, one of the challenges in with certainly with AI right now is that I, th I think there is a there are a lot of misperceptions in the market about, uh, you know, what it means. I think there's, you know, there are a lot of these dystopian uh, scenarios that people see in, in science fiction and get a little bit, uh, uh, 
kind of get a bit nervous about things. And, um, but, but you know, what, what do you see as, as kind of key uh, you know, disconnects or misperceptions in, in, in the market that are maybe not quite so extreme, but, uh, you know, when, when companies are looking to, to, to implement and adopt some of uh, advanced, you know, uh, IoT uh, and AI technologies, uh, what 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 would you what would you highlight or at least is there something that jumps out at you as uh, you know as a real disconnect that um, that it's probably unfounded? Well, I think a couple of disconnects. I'll, I'll first talk about um, you know one is and this gets back to similar to blockchain or some of these other technologies that you know AI is the answer to everything, right? That's going to solve the world's problems, and I just. You know, it's as we see is in the evolution of history. You know, one problem gets solved, and then there's some other one that that gets created or has to be solved. Right? It's it's these never-ending set of problems that we're dealing with. So it was you know, at one point it was oh, polio was a problem. Then we had a vaccination for that. Now, believe it or not, the flu has caused a lot of problems. They've gone back and you know asked the government to start invest more money in refining the flu vaccination because this year in particular there were a lot of deaths so i don't think you know we're never going to run out of problems and ai isn't going to solve them all so that's that's number one misperception number two does go into what you talked about you know fear of the technology um and you know that gets into probably more a little bit more on the ai robotic side perhaps than it does maybe pure ai I, I think at the end of the day, it's again, it's how do you treat this stuff and how do you uh, how do you augment what you're doing versus letting technology, you know, kind of tell you what to do. You ultimately, technology comes back and can make recommendations. It can give you data. It can summarize data. It can analyze data. It can do, you know, a million things to one, right? But at the end of the day, you as the individual running a business or you as an individual analyzing something need to come up with what you think is a recommendation based on this information, right? Um, I think it's a little bit of a cop-out to say, oh, the machine told me to do A, B, C, and D. Um, I, I don't think that's really where we want to go, right? I, I think it's the machine is here to help. Now, having said that, there may be cases that are very benign, right, where uh, as an example, I go in, and it's a very finite set, right? I go into a department store, and I work with a chatbot, and I say, hey, look, I would like a sports jacket. And the chatbot comes back and says, okay, you know, what brand would you like? And I put in my brand. If they have that, then they recommend this is where it's located, these are the colors we have. It's a fixed finite set. There's not likely, you know, an issue if the if the particular brand is not there, AI is good enough to recommend a secondary choice, so forth and so on, and then I can decide as a consumer whether I want to buy it or not. There's not a lot of potential, you know, downfall there because again it's a kind of a benign topic, uh, but very important in terms of productivity for the consumer and helping out in terms of from a, a uh the store perspective or retail perspective. When you get into things like medicine or or areas like that, that's a little bit different, or financial decisions, right? Um, if the computer comes back and says, oh, that stock, I shouldn't be doing that blindly, right? I should be 
understanding and making a decision as a human being based on the information, the best information I have available to me, which is what everybody's done historically anyway, right? When people make a decision, it's based on information that they have at that particular time and, and make that decision from there. Right. Yeah. It's funny because I always uh, I think there's this uh, debate about whether uh, autonomous systems can can really have judgment. Right. They can be uh, whether it be self-driving cars, learning to uh, learning basically what decisions to make. If there's an ethical decision, do you you know, do you hit the deer in the road or or or, or do you injure you hurt your passengers? And, uh, I, I know a lot of this is these are these are issues that are going to unfold over the next uh, next several years as, as more powerful systems uh, start to unfold but you know actually I just wanted to, to, to turn just turn the conversation back to back to blockchain and and really ask you the same question I uh, that I'd asked about uh, the AI and big data which is essentially just a you know for for, for a novice or for a beginner in in a business that um, there's a lot of noise out there and certainly a lot of people trying interesting ideas but you know what what proof points do you think uh, that users in, in businesses should be looking for to, to give them confidence around blockchain and, and are there uh, are there some simple ways that that uh, people can get involved just to uh, just to get more comfortable with the, the capabilities and the nature of the technology? Sure. So a couple of things. I would recommend, obviously, uh, you know, reading up on blockchain as much as you can. There are a lot of good blogs out there to get you started. I also run a blockchain uh, area out on LinkedIn, so it's it's called uh, Blockchain for Business. Um, and I also run one for AI IoT, and I run one for big data and analytics as well. So you can see in there. You know, we talk about things like use cases, about the technology. You can also attend local meetups. I highly recommend that as well because those will go into more uh, in-depth on that. And then, you know, if you're a developer, you know, from there you can take it into going to different workshops that we offer uh, and then going out to, as I mentioned, our IBM Code site where you can get involved and, and download uh, information that you can actually leverage. We've developed these uh, code patterns that actually have code out on GitHub that you can download to augment what you're doing and make your development faster. So there's a lot of different things here. You know, obviously try and do them somewhat in order because I think you need to understand the basics of, of a technology before you proceed, if you start getting right into the development and you don't really understand the concepts, that could be prom problematic. Um, so that's something you need to look at as you go forward. Yeah, it's it, it really is. A, uh, there's there's I would say almost a universe of of you know interesting content and 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 in amazing insights and, and innovation in, in really in all of these areas in, in connected industry and in AI and. Uh, and in blockchain. So um, Bruce has been really, uh, really helpful and, and insightful. I, I'd love to, I always like to ask you know, all of the guests if, if you have any resources or, or books that you like to share or recommend to, uh, to people. 
Um, sure. So some of the resources I talked about, again, are things I just mentioned in our last dialogue in terms of attending you know, local meetups. If you go to meetup.com, you can go in there, put in your city or location, and find out what technology meetups there are. Um, definitely go out to the IBM Developer Works website. Uh, you can just Google IBM code and, and get there. There's a lot of rich resources. But in addition to that, uh, you know, as far as from a, a book standpoint, what, I, what I'd like to do is uh, really talk about, you know, two areas uh, or two books that I would recommend. They're not technology-related, um, so I like to go out there and recommend different books to people based on, you know, kind of books that I've read or that I've been interested in that I think have value or give you a different perspective. So the first one I would talk about is, uh, Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson, and um, I think it's really an interesting book because it gives you a perspective on how da Vinci actually analyzed and looked at looked at things. And I think what's fascinating is, and you know, it's hard to flash back to that time period because in today's society, at least for most of us, it's it's really a very very fast paced environment. Uh, there's not a lot of what I call, you know, spare time, so to speak. So some of the, you know, the important thread here, I think, is, is a little bit more difficult, but it's still worth retaining, and that is the fact that da Vinci really did take the time to understand and observe, right? A lot of people are so busy doing stuff, they don't listen, they don't observe, they don't introspect, they don't dive into something, um, you know, I mean, da Vinci actually, you know, dissected, you know, uh, humans to better understand the muscle tissue, particularly the, the way the face and the mouth, uh, you know, forms a smile and things of like this. And then you can see that reflected in his artwork and his paintings as, as an example. So I think it's that constant analyzing how do things work, why do they work, how could I make them better, uh, what we now focus on or call, to some degree, I would say innovation, right? And, and innovation, I don't think, happens in a vacuum, right? It, it's really analyzing and understand other concepts, some base information, and that's how you start to innovate. So I think that would be one book I would recommend. The other one is just general books on uh, leadership. I, I think leadership is something we don't see enough of. I should say good leadership. I mean, there's obviously a ton of leaders, but you know, whether they're good or not is, is another question. Um, so I tend to read a lot of books like, um, you know, Extreme Ownership, how the you know U.S. Navy SEALs lead and win. I look at the military because I think the military uh, does understand leadership uh, at mm -hmm. its core. And I think if you've ever witnessed uh, like I did during Hurricane Andrew in Florida, the military came in and very quickly organized uh, food for people, housing for people, cleaned up streets, cleared streets, got things in order. Uh, there was a lot of looting at the time when the military came in. Magically, the looting stopped. So they were very efficient in every aspect of what they had to do to get the city back up on its feet. Um, and that doesn't happen without, you know, leadership. I mean, obviously, the other key thread there is supply chain management. Uh, so, you know, that would be another thing you can learn from that as well. But that those are kind of 
what I would put out there uh, as, as two two books. Well, that, that's that's great, Bruce. So those are those are terrific examples, and I think we can all learn a lot from from the examples and the uh, really the ability to the amazing ability to to execute on the from from the military side and and also the the greatest polymath of all time, uh, Da Vinci is is always an inspiration to uh, to us and for you know for generations to follow. So I think it's, it's been a great conversation, Bruce. We covered a lot of, a lot of ground, and uh, I just want to thank you again for taking the time to, to be a guest on the, on the Momenta Edge Insights podcast. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening as well. And hope, hope, to, hope to see you again sometime soon, Bruce. Yeah, thank you very much, Ed. As, as I joke to people when I when I talk about uh, Da Vinci, I said if you can't learn from an underachiever like that, I'm not sure who you can learn. <laughs> Great point. All right, thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners.